This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the crap boardroom in the crap basement of a not-so-crap hotel in Liverpool, England, Rog. It's the Men in Blazers podcast. We back. We are. Like Claudio Bravo. We're not that good. Oh, poor Claudio Bravo, bless. But we're podding from Liverpool, <laughs> city of... Rog. My birth. Yeah. <sighs> yes, the Baltimore of England. Mm, sort of. And it is a magical place. It's really what I want you to say, David, because to me, I've been reminded of that today. It's a place where football like earth, water, fire and pie, a basic element. It is everywhere here. Yeah, parts of it are magical. It's interesting you mentioned the elements because I was thinking today that, particularly from a footballing point of view, it's like everything is so compressed here, these two clubs just across <laughs> Stanley Park. It's kind of like, you know, the way the diamonds are made because of the enormous pressure from the earth's crust forces these beautiful things to be made. And there must be some darkness underground where diamonds are forged, Rod, and I imagine that's the same in, in Liverpool. Um, but there is, some, there is a unique beauty around the passion for football in this city. Last night, my brother Nige, a red, <laughs> emailed me. Love you, Nige. And he said, I don't want you to go out into town and try and find wherever Liverpool is staying and set off their fire alarm. And yeah. I hadn't thought about it until I got the email. I thought, well, maybe I could alter the course of history. But you know what? I didn't have to. Because last night, 1.30 in the morning, someone took it upon themselves to just let fireworks off all over the city. Now, that could be Man City fans. It could be United fans. It could easily be some Everton scallies. could easily be angry men in Blazers fans. But I <laughs> yeah. do believe the only could person... could be Diva The only person they left probably was... <laughs> It's fully Diego Costa. The only person that they woke up probably was Rog. Everyone yeah. else is used to it. We are podding shattered. I want to say that from we have just been to the big game of the weekend. We no United. Been. It wasn't you and Brighton. No. Oh, it was Liverpool. It was Manchester City as the capper of our Premier League weekend. That annual occasion when we jump through the Premier League television screen, actually turn up together yeah. to take in oh, a game and savour, this time in the northwest of England, north of the wall, the best Vindaloo curries and pies that England's had to offer. This is Premier League Weekend 2, Electric Boogaloo. We've had a bunch of beers, we're exhausted, we've not had a lot of time to process the game. We are, to be candid, shafted from filming, bit raw, running around, savouring the sights and smells. It's got many smells up north, wouldn't you say, David? Yeah, there were... Smells today. Have you ever had that thing where you, um, where you imagine that aliens may see colours that we on Earth have not recognised yet, have not seen? Yes. Have you ever had that thought? Yeah. And I try to imagine, I try to sometimes when I've got insomnia, I try to think really hard about what those colours might look yeah, like, even to, though... I try to sometimes think of words that have never been said in history before. <laughs> like, easily, <laughs> make a noise and never has done anything. No, someone it. in the Napoleonic times may have said it. I've been to a few bathrooms while I've been in Liverpool, yeah. and I must say, <laughs> I have smelled alien smells, smells that I have not <laughs> smelt on the human plane at any point in my 53 years of, 53 years of life on Earth. Today, at halftime at the Liverpool City game, honestly, <sighs> when I walked into the, the gents and these places, I must say, coming and visit Britain, I love Britain, but I must say, when you, when you go 
to football in England. It's a magical experience. Going to the loo, not such a magical experience. I think the clubs purposely make the toilets disgusting, <laughs> just for tradition. They probably get clean toilets. I know, too clean. We've got to, we've got to sully them a little bit, yeah. make them real, like proper, proper football toilets. Anyway, as I went in, at, as I went in at the end of halftime, a man walked out of a stall. Number one, why anybody is going number two at a Premier League game, I don't <laughs> Wait, can understand. I just say, we've not discussed this, but one of my big takeaways in the game, I've not told anyone because it just doesn't come I was blown away by the line for the number two stalls. At, so either there's a lot of, there's a lot of substances, that yeah. could be it, that are being imbibed. But like, game football is so short, the line for the, the number twos was so long, who pays a couple of hundred quid? <laughs> you know what? It's four o'clock, it's a late kickoff. I like to keep regular and that's my time. The schedule 5.20 on I'm, Sunday, I'm always good at the same time. Yeah, it's, uh, that was truly remarkable. Anyway, a man walked out, I think he was a man. He walked out with a look on his face yeah. that I've realized is a fairly common look in Liverpool. And it's a combination, almost an equal part of shame and pride. <sighs> And by the way, it's a, it's probably the, well-placed shame and misplaced pride <laughs> from not having experience. It's our, it's our default setting here in Liverpool. <laughs> oh my oh, word. Well, we've not just been Alien in, smells. We've not just been in Liverpool, we've been in Manchester. Yeah. J-Dubs and I went to Manchester City on Friday and walked into the stadium, which they'd set up for us. The whole stadium oh, was a light with the Men in Blazers logo on every level, which was both incredibly moving and what probably want from us? ill judgment. I got to stand in the tunnel, uh-huh. the tunnel that Joe Hart built, uh-huh. and just shout out to my heart's content, <laughs> keep scoring, keep persisting, yeah, yeah, meet the magic up and David, which was, I mean, it's probably a, a top life experience oh, up there with the tunnel. birth of my children. I'd rather, I'd rather see tunnel than a game at <sighs> Man City. You and I spent the afternoon with a remarkable Juan Mata in yeah. his restaurant. What to a pay him. man. You loved it. It was good to pay him. That's his Spanish tapas restaurant. You, t- uh, you, you thought it was cute how tiny the tables were. You said, oh, a little hobbit restaurant. It was like going to the parent-teacher conference at your sort of like kids' elementary school. It was like little hobbit tables, little hobbit chairs, and little Juan Mata strode in with little Juan Mata's dad, which has pretty much been the highlight of my entire trip. Oh, like- uh, Juan Mata's dad, so cute. And uh, he was lovely. The food was superb. Order the anchovies. And the pulpo. Uh, Classic football shirts. Amazing oh, football stuff. Oh, it's more than good, mate. Vintage jerseys mm-hmm. that pioneered the concept of footballing throwbacks. I did try and trade. I was wearing the new Umbro, soon to be released, limited edition Men of Blazers national team zip up top. Which By the they, way, that is tasty. I've not seen it until this weekend. I've been wearing it too. And they went berserk for it yeah. at Classic Football Shirts and asked me if they could trade for it. And yeah. I pointed to a genuine, authentic 1994 USA World Cup zip up top, tried to trade it for the Men in Blazers top. They told me, nah, that it was... Uh, Priceless, yeah. essentially. The Men in Blazers top, top plus £15,000, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, we went to the iconic Salford Lads Club, site mm-hmm. of the Smiths cover art for The Queen Is Dead. Place, that place should be a world heritage site. We hung out with the Brighton team in our hotel. Oh, and this morning, Davo, I shot with one of Everton's most impactful players of the season. Hey, bud. Oh, even better, Speedo Mick. Oh, you love Speedo Mick. I do love me some Speedo Mick. His story is as beautiful and human, and it was an honour to film with him. But your highlight was your Leroy Sané 
taxi driver still. <laughs> my, uh, the car I took from uh, the airport to Manchester, I would say, by the way, the Edwardian Hotel in Manchester, that is, and you know I'm a connoisseur of hotel gyms and hotel spas, that is the nicest gym and spa in any hotel I've ever stayed at anywhere in the world. Uh, so shout out to that place. Uh, but you my... can read more about it on our other podcast, the Day and Devo Yelp Hotel Reviews. <laughs> Actually, I've got to get on that. And so uh, I got picked up at the uh, Manchester airport with all of my luggage, which is, uh, which is amazing. Very rarely happens to me when I come up north. And um, <laughs> I uh, met my driver, Nick, lovely man, and we got in. And he sort of asked me after a while what I was doing here and told him I was here to football. He said, oh, you know who I had in the back of my... Uh, car the other day, I was just waiting to hear it was, it was like Leroy Sane, and I said, wow, well, what happened? And he goes, well, it's an interesting story, and I sort of buckled in for the, you know, for the entire 30 minutes of the drive, and he, he Leroy Sane had called him on a Monday and booked him for the entire week to drive him down to London every single day and back. He racked up something like £3,800, what's that, about $5,500 worth of charges over the course of the week. It's like a month's driving charges just done in the first week of the month. Nick doesn't watch football, but he's had his picture taken with Leroy Sane. All of his mates have seen his picture with Leroy Sane and says, I can't believe you got Leroy Sane. That's so exciting. He's done this whole thing. Anyway, on the Monday after, he's got this £3,800 charge, um, (laughs) which is the beginning of his month. It's sort of made his year as an independent uh, town car driver. He uh, gets a, a call from the credit security company saying that they view these charges as being high risk. And he says, no, it's Leroy Sane. <laughs> like, look at the pictures of me, look at the whole thing. Let me, let, me, let me send you the photo. Yeah, it turns out it's a Leroy Sane impersonator who's become quite well known in Manchester <laughs> for using his lookalikeness to Leroy Sane uh, for his own benefit. <laughs> and he seems to have friends in London. So poor Nick, is, he, he says he can't now watch... He was sort of going to watch Man City this season. He was quite excited in seeing Leroy Sane play, but he can't really put his mind around it now because he, he, he's taking it out on the man, even though it was the impersonator who did him. To the pod, David. Yeah, we've got a packed show, Roger. We're going to break down the game from which we have just returned alive. The biggest Premier League clash in the history of football on this planet or any other, as everybody would have us believe here. Liverpool versus Manchester City. We relive Brodge's biblical smiting of Arsenal in crisis, crisis, crisis. And Christian Pulisic scores for the third game on the spin. Captain America as Frank's gang of babies sees off Palace. But first the toast. I want to raise my 26th first bud of the day. (laughs) It's accurate to the most memorable interview of my trip so far. On Saturday, I spent an afternoon in the company of 98-year-old, 98-year-old Olga Hallam. She's a Manchester City season ticket holder since the 1930s. You might remember her from last season, a beautiful moment when she and her older sister Vera, who's 103, walked out with Manchester City to become the Premier League's oldest ever mascots. They've watched City for over 80 years. She's seen dark times, a lot of them. She's seen Aguero miracles. And to me, she's everything that's good about football. She's passionate, she's loyal, she's made memories, she's savoured every second, win or lose. So Bud fam, Blood fam, to Olga, what she represents. And please God, may I not have to wait 80 years to see my team win silverware. Courage. (laughs) 
I think we can guarantee that, Rog. Okay, here we go. Liverpool <sighs> three, Manchester City one. We We're going behind enemy in lines. In the flesh, goals from Fabinho, Mo Salah, and Sadio Mane give Liverpool a convincing win at a raucous, except for Rog, Anfield. Oh. City pulled one back through Bernardo, cute, in the 78th minute, but it was little more than consolation. Liverpool are now eight points clear atop the Premier League table. Rog, what a game to be at live and in person. Yeah, it was hard for me to go there with you. I'll be candid. I hated going to Anfield with all my heart as a kid. It's you a move. strongly dislike. We uh, hate with reason, David. Yeah. Hate with reason. We stood in Stanley Park together yeah. today. The part that separates Goodison Park, heaven, yeah. oh, and then 0.9 miles. I think the distance is yeah. between Goodison Park and not quite heaven. Anfield across the park. And I was just overwhelmed with memories from when I was a kid. I hated going to Anfield. One place has so many great memories. Yeah. Another place, to be candid, mostly dark ones. But you G'd me up. You said, if you can't get it up for a Pep versus Klopp game, you're tired of life, my friend. You actually had a porn analogy that described your feelings pre-game. Yeah, not that I've ever watched porn, Rog. But I would say that I would compare this as... You're going to witness, you know, you're an Everton fan, I'm a Chelsea fan, you know, I have, you know, heavy Palace sympathies, that's my side chick. Um, there's some other teams that I enjoy, that I like, that I can root for, Fulham Palace is like a side fetish within this analogy. Yeah, uh, yeah, but maybe a bit more than that. Um, so we've got some teams that I quite enjoy watching. Man City and Liverpool are two teams that I don't have any feeling as against but I don't have any strong feelings for whatsoever, other than a great deal of respect for how good they are at football. So going to watch this, it was like going to watch a, a, a genre of porn that you have absolutely no interest in, but you can accept that the performers in this genre of porn and the directors and all the work that goes into it make this the best possible version of that porn that you can possibly watch. So respect, I'm an ally, but I couldn't really find any rooting interest in this game whatsoever but I was excited to just see something that was going to be the best of the best you were just excited to appreciate the cinematography exactly pretty much great articles I went in even darker than I would have been if it was just an average Anfield game because we spent time in Manchester spent a lot of time with a lot of City fans and they knew their team are vulnerable right now down five players to injury and it got worse when they lost Edison to a thigh injury in Champions League action midweek. They actually ended up, as you know and we both love, playing Kyle Walker in goal after Claudio Bravo got himself subsequently sent off. Possibly today, possibly should have let Kyle Walker keep his place. He yeah. is, after all, I think the best power ball keeper since Guzan. Yeah, he might have kept out the third one. Claudio Bravo, what is he? He's really Pep's biggest and most expensive mistake apart from the Kashmir Hoodigan, made his last start 18 months ago. The City fans, when he plays in the Carabao, they clap vociferously whenever he actually makes a clean catch. Hashtag free, Zach, Stefan. So this was an odd game going in. It was a team in which you had back-to-back Premier League champions, Manchester City, as underdogs. Yeah. Strange, strange feeling, David. Not just, though... You know, there is bad fortune, no doubt, with all the injuries, but some of this a little self-inflicted. You know, Pep has kept Claudio Bravo as his backup goalkeeper, could have improved that over the summer. 
He failed to sign any centre-backs over the summer. You know, it's not like he's had a couple of young players out on loan gaining experience like, you know, Chelsea have done with Tamori. He, he, or even Zuma, who they loaned out to a smaller club. I can't remember who it was. But there's a, um, you know, he just hasn't done any of, oh, Everton. He hasn't done any of these, Everton, sorry, I forgot it was Everton. Genuinely I couldn't remember, it was either Rotherham. This is truly my 26th first bit of the day by my slow reaction time. It was either Rotherham or Everton. So, um, I knew it ended in something, an N or an M. So, um, you know, he, they haven't developed centre-backs. You know, a lot that you hear about from Premier League players, we heard it from James Madison this week, we hear it from Chelsea, you hear it a lot about Liverpool, is balance. He's bringing in a very unbalanced squad, a very unbalanced team, and Pep himself appears somewhat unbalanced. It's the hoodigan of squads, <laughs> is what you say. Do you know what? That's a really good point. And by the time City's bus arrived, yeah. and we stood with Liverpool fans who had waited hours, waited silently in hours, it should be said, just so they could fire their flares and sing their songs as the City bus drove past. They were feeling it. They were really, wouldn't you say, I mean, that's how it felt outside of Anfield here. Because it's hard to, I've got to say, exaggerate the animosity between these two teams. There is animosity between these two teams, as though this is a rivalry that has been going on for decades. Fact is, this rivalry is about two years old. It's remarkable. <laughs> Certainly there's a huge rivalry between Liverpool and United, but it feels like if United have gone downhill that rivalry is taken on a different colour. It's not red versus red, it's red versus sky blue. And that is remarkable. But I don't know what it's like at Everton games. You know, the, the build-up in this, in this city has been remarkable. Last night we saw you know, everybody around, you know, waiting to see if they could meet the players in the city centre or sort of lots of Americans in, people from all over the world in town. The locals really fired up about this game. Today, hours before kickoff, Stanley Park is full. All the area around Anfield is just, just full, just heaving with people. But so little joy. It was an atmosphere of... If you have, it was if you, atmosphere if, of... I don't know. It was like... It wasn't just tension. They didn't, didn't feel like people were really worried about the game. They just didn't seem particularly happy. But there, there's, a, there's, there's a bravado and there's a confidence, but there are a lot of nerves. We've got to remember, Liverpool have not won this title in 30 years. I mean, the, the Stevie G slip, there's, the, the, there's a feeling of, you know, even with a, the, the gap, even with Klopp, even with Mo Salah, that there's always, always a darkness behind every corner. And, and this rivalry is born of a fact, a truth before kickoff. The big six is not a big six. What we thought before kickoff is we're down to the big two, you know, the, the dynamic duo. That was what it felt like before that. As we'll talk about, there's actually a third team in the equation. Yeah. But Manchester and Liverpool, it's hard to overstate how much these two teams, not City and Liverpool, but Manchester and Liverpool, just a historic rivalry. It's, akin to, it's like a Sicilian blood vendetta, economically, culturally. And then in modern times through music, nightlife, and most keenly through football, it was Liverpool and United, it is now Liverpool City, and they are competing in every facet, in the league, for players, for youth players, for global yeah. mindshare in America. Yeah. And there is a nervousness yeah. before kickoff because even though Liverpool have been just almost perfect this season, it was City coming to town, and they've almost felt immortal. Yeah, no, there was that dual chanting during the game. Champions of Europe sing the Liverpool fans. Champions of England sing, uh, sing, sing the City fans. And there is still a sense that Liverpool are looking for respect. Respect. 
it's like a big word up here that they still don't quite get the respect that they're due because they're the team of history, they're the best team in football, they sing that song too, in anywhere in the world, and um, that they deserve to go and win the Premier League. But there is, there is some anger and there is some previous Rog. Remember, this is a, a group of fans who attacked the city bus when it came into Anfield. What was that, a year ago, a couple of years ago? I mean, when we witnessed the, an entire crowd of people hoping it might happen again. Every Everton fan I've texted with this afternoon was just shocked that Liverpool fans would rather, instead of having an extra beer or two in the pub, go outside and shout at the team's bus. They were just yeah. marvelling at that passion. City didn't seem really uh, overwhelmed by the flare, red flare welcome. They began optimistically, they surged forward, yet right from the off, something did seem off in the final third for them. I mean, we'll talk about their back line in a minute, but the tip of the attack from the off, Davo, we both sense KDB just seemed to have the kind of decision-making, the kind of misplaced passes, the kind of miscalibration that we don't really associate with it. Well, I think you and I were talking before the game about who was going to come out and tear at, each, tear at the other team. Was it going to be Liverpool coming out and tearing at City or City going to come out and tear at Liverpool? Instead, Liverpool did something. It was kind of like watching a great, you know, it's kind of like watching... You know, a great bullfighter in Spain. He, they sort of let the ball come to them. They sort of ceded possession. They didn't press them incredibly hard. The only person they pressed actually was Claudio Bravo. They gave <sighs> possession to City early. They let them come onto them. They forced them out wide, often running in the wrong direction away from the goal, and sort of said, do something special. And you're right, KDB seemed unsyncopated. He had you the know. kind of game, to be honest. If Pogba had it, Paul Pogba, misplaced passes, just inability to hit a set piece the whole game one free kick misplaced after another we were crucifying yeah and those turnovers became key because this was a game ultimately that was less about possession and more about liverpool's ability to enforce themselves in transition and seize those moments of transition the opening goal we should say the opening goal there was almost too much going on first the oh. handball not given against trent alexander arnold we mm. thought it was handball from our seats yeah it, seemed... it looked like it could have been in replay var somehow didn't give it that var seems to have suddenly decided that it's only going to overall on a clear and obvious basis it seems to be very influenced by the mail on sunday and Spurs fans had recognised the kind of penalty award from the Champions League final. It wasn't given and Liverpool thundered down the field. City failed to clean up at the back. They had an opportunity yeah. to clean up at the back. Gundogan, David, what was he doing? Yeah, it was just 22 seconds later. Gundogan literally just rolled the ball out to Fabinho. Listless, careless Fabinho. Yeah, and he remembered from the PowerPoint that... You know, Jurgen Klopp had, had, had drilled into them before the game. It's just like, it's Claudio Bravo in goal. Shoot, shoot, man, shoot. And he just said, oh, I can put it anywhere. And he happened to put it in the corner. You can imagine Liverpool's PowerPoint slide of their opposition yeah. research. It just finally gets to, you know, everybody else's was complex. Gundogan likes yeah. to press in the final, yeah. likes to enter zone six, <laughs> likes to penetrate with a cr And for Claudio Bravo, it was just like, crap, in huge comic sans, all caps. But he hit the ball when that came to him, David. He didn't just, he didn't say, I'm going to test him now. He, he biblically, he biblically smote the ball. Yeah, he hit it. You hear it. Uh, 
in the uh, in the stands. It was amazing how hard he hit it. Oh, with the style that Chairman Mao used to order his elite ping pong players to hit the ball as if it was the head of their communist enemies. Cute cauldron level of noise at Anfield. <laughs> so loud for the goal, even louder when a VAR check confirmed that it was all legit. It went up to 11. That's the joy of VAR. You Apparently, get to celebrate everything twice. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, all of the trains in Britain were, uh, you know, were cancelled because it had snowed. And when people said, well, what does that mean? Why, why are you cancelling uh, all the trains just because of a bit of snow? There's maybe one inch of snow. And I think the spokesman for the rail network uh, said that uh, the problem was it was the wrong kind of snow. And this clearly was the wrong kind of handball. It was not the kind of handball that gets given. It was a different kind of handball. We're in this world of handball where nobody knows anymore. Oh, City were rocked. Yeah. They were You could feel it. Yeah. You could feel a blood in the water. Trent Alexander-Arnold a visionary pass to free the steaming Robertson and that ball that he unleashed, David. I mean, all night, City had terrible problems down the right-hand side, had problems going down the right-hand side going forward. It barely went down the right in the second half, went down the left. And just KDB playing down the right just leaves an enormous acre of space. Trent Alexander-Arnold finds Robertson with a sumptuous ball and Robertson, how good is he in the flesh? That ball he sends over. It's right through the nerve centre of City's defence. I mean, defense. unbelievable pass. Um, and a fantastic finish by Mo Salah with his head, Rog. Stooping to kill. There was the possibility that Mo was a foot offside. Mm. The VAR check, I say, was cursory. Sheffield United fans who were chalked off by VAR for being a toenail offside yesterday were howling because that VAR check went on for hours before they made the decision here. It was over in 10 seconds. I think the inconsistency in the application yes. or the optics of the inconsistency in the application, they're really the bed that VAR's made for itself. No, I think the moment. optics here is a reaction back the other way. They're realising, oh, it's only clear and obvious. We can't go and do that. You just feel everybody reacting. The whole story here is that just people want VAR to move quicker, to only overall things that are clear and obvious mistakes. Oh, but that shouldn't take away from the wonder, the ruthlessness, the clinicality, the collective clinicality of the execution. City then, for the rest of the first half, just trembled every time Liverpool got on the board. So much, it reminded me actually, the, the first half of 2014, the last time I was at Anfield, Derby, Suarez and Sturridge against a very good Everton team, but they destroyed Everton. I think it was 4-0. They destroyed Everton on the counter, and every time Everton had a corner, it felt like Liverpool were going to score. Everton were like a dog just choking on the choke chain and not understanding what the hell was happening to them. And so in this game, it got to the point where even when City attacked, there was just an insecurity of knowing that back behind them, they had Claudio Bravo, they had bloody John Stones back there. And it just sent a, just a darkness, a fear, a vulnerability through the entire team. Watching their decision-making going yeah. forward, it just felt awry, David. You're so right. Liverpool looked like they were going to score every time they went on a counter. And Man City, even when they hit the post at the end of that first half it didn't look like they were going to go and score I think Aguero had another opportunity that he blasted wide when he might have done better I mean they had chances and yet they never really looked like scoring in that first half Aguero 11 games at Anfield 0 goals 782 frustrating moments in this one Van Dijk owned him with the confidence that Van Dijk would have had if he had to step into a boxing ring and fight both KSI and Logan Paul at the same time. <laughs> and watching City play, I, I've broadcast with a boil on my head once. And the whole time we were going live, I just kept thinking, I've got a boil on my head. 
I've got a boil on my head. I've got a boil on my head. And you felt that like every time City went I forward. I remember that. They were just, I died. They, <laughs> I only dream about it about every two. But that was City in this game. Every time they went forward, their boil on their head was Claudio Bravo and John Stones. And it just, it was, it just leads to suboptimal broadcasting. Pep's halftime team talk. Yeah. Talking about suboptimal. It must have been suboptimal because right after halftime, Really, Liverpool put the game away, David. And I Jordan mean, Henderson. It was Jordan yeah. Henderson. Right below us. Right below us, Jordan Henderson. Sent over a ball. You just don't see that ball directly down that end line, just curling away just at the end. It can only be described as a Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, no, totally. Beats every central defender, City. in air quotes, uh, and goalkeeper playing for Manchester City. And uh, Kyle, Pot, Kyle Walker would have saved it. Yeah. And at the far post, like Marley. an old school centre forward to thunder at home, Marnie. Well, thundered at home with a bit of help from Claudio Bravo. Well, who let it go through him. Yeah. Anfield, so loud, ear splitting. I'm sure that Hendo turned round to me at that moment and mouth, my lip reading not so good. I think he mouthed, I Hendo! <laughs> As well he might, David, he's fantastic today. City, they just couldn't execute, and Liverpool could. It was a, this was like a bad dream I've had many, many times. Liverpool were an unstoppable force. City were like Everton in light blue disguise. It was all so demoralising for Pep. Not just his team, but his idea of football were being shown up with the world watching. City have won once at Anfield in 38 years. Pep has never won there. And they did have chances down the stretch with Bernardo's goal. And Pep thought another handball not given. And he left feeling hard done to, which he allowed himself to feel. I think it was more frustration. I mean, the referee decisions were not great. But in truth, in recent weeks, Liverpool have been less a team that wins, more one that doesn't know how to lose. And today, to me, they were back at their best. They could have scored four or five if they needed This was the best Liverpool have played in maybe a month and a half. Like, this was a fantastic uh, performance by them. Um, and they were dominant in every phase of the game. City had plenty of possession. City looked like a very good Premier League side, but they don't look like a side that's going to go into Anfield and win. I think they would have lost 10 times out of 10. It was astonishing, the feelings I experienced at the final whistle. I separated them into two buckets. Yeah. There was Rog the Evertonian. Yeah. And Rog, the human being. Two very different people. Yeah, there's, honestly, seriously, almost no overlap. Well, there's absolutely no overlap. They are two completely... If they were a Venn diagram... Yeah, there's no shaded area whatsoever. Just be two circles yeah. not speaking to each other. Yeah. So speaking as Roger the Evertonian, yeah. I was sickened yeah. by my experience. I realised that the, there was a lot of Americans in, yeah. at Anfield today. We sat by two we gentlemen the from... American. Uh, from where were they from? Nashville. Nashville, and then some others from Boston and from DC. Wellesley. There were some other Americans behind us. Okay, there were there was some Americans behind us who we didn't get to meet, but we yeah. knew they were American because they kept shouting out the whole game, especially the first ten minute, uh, the first five minutes when it was quite tight. They kept yeah. shouting out, "No sloppy Liverpool!" Cut out the sloppy Liverpool. No sloppy. Yeah. Uh, no good. sloppy. There's a yeah. few. Whoever that is, we if need that's to do you. Some product with no sloppy on whoever it. Whoever that is, I want to say, there's a team called the US men's national team. And if it was you shouting no sloppy, I'd like to work with you to make you the coach of it. Because whatever it was, <laughs> it worked bloody well. Roger the Evertonian left Anfield thinking the 30-year wait for Liverpool to win the league might be coming to an end. And I also realised this weekend, being here with you, 
But it's really only Liverpool's 30-year wait to win the title that keeps me happy as an Evertonian, which is a human darkness of its own oeuvre that we will unpack when we're back in America. Whoa. <laughs> That's <Roger>. mind-blowing. <laughs> you only... Oh, my word. Let's I've pretend I didn't say that. that. I can't even start to unpack that. I have not drunk in enough right now, and we will tonight. Well, I've not drunk in enough to get into my that. tequila for Cheers. that one. Come okay. here. God bless. Let's Cheers. pay for Roger. Rog wow. the human, though. Oh, dear. Rog the human. And I'm interested for your take. Rog the human was really blown away. Blown away by Liverpool and their fans. That noise, that cauldron. Here's how I describe Anfield. You did not hear the City fans the entire game. Even when they scored a goal, there was just silence. There was nothing. You don't hear them. You can see why this is such a hard ground to go and get a result in. You don't hear anything. The Liverpool fans, they drowned out rationality. Every mistake, you laughed at it, was not their players' fault. Every City tackle was actually handballed. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, if the ball touches any part of a City player... Their foot. That isn't their foot. Well, and very often, if it is their foot, it's yeah. handball. Yeah. Literally, there is no Liverpool player who's ever committed a foul. A Liverpool player could literally take out an Uzi and machine gun down the entire uh, Man City defence. By yeah. the way, there are some City fans who would enjoy that. And, uh, and honestly, <laughs> Liverpool would not see that as being any kind of foul. Let them play. Let them play. And more than anything, every Bobby Chompers, everything was a kiss from the gods. Mm. And to watch Liverpool supporting fathers, daughters, mothers, sons, just making memories all around us. Memories, I believe, that, that will end up lasting them a lifetime. The Rog that is a human who appreciates poetry and humanity, I take my hat off to that. I absolutely do. But we've got to break down City. After the game, Pep, sarcastic, tight-lipped, petty, in his post-match comments, he had a tragicomedy moment near the end when he ran towards the fourth official. You described it as a faulty towers moment. Yeah, he's like John Cleese in the faulty towers, if you've ever seen that. He's, he's behaving more and more like Basil Fawlty. Just screaming, two, two, in a kind of ministry of silly walks way. He's a man who more than anything, I mean, he hates losing, but more than anything, he hates to lose control. And in the post-game, I think we were feeling that loss of control. It came out as a repressed anger. The repressed anger of a control freak when things are spiralling away and they have spiralled away. It's been a dark week that has spiralled out of Pep's control in the Champions League. Oh, almost the whole game here at Anfield. He's already floating possibilities for his next career step. Italy, I've always found. Italy, interesting. City is starting to wonder, does he have the energy? Does he have the resolve? Does he have the motivation to rebuild the squad at the back? And next for him after the international break, David? Chelsea, Roger. Only Chelsea. And world's best player, trademark, Christian Pulisic. Captain America. You might have heard of him. Let me ask you this before we break down Liverpool. What do you think Brendan Rodgers was thinking? while watching all of this. Because I, I did think about it at halftime. I imagine Brodge watching the game underneath an oil painting of Brodge watching the game and thinking, my Leicester, precious. Well, by the way, my Liverpool, let's dance the forbidden dance. While there is an oil painting being painted of Brendan <laughs> and a painter painting the painter who is painting the painting of Brodge and probably a documentary film crew. And, and still a, photographer, a photographer's backup, just in case. <laughs> exactly, very true. Um, and I imagine, by the way, in the corner, he keeps Jamie Vardy in a cage in a gimp suit now. 
And Jamie Vardy just screamed, yes, master, new daddy. I will hurt them for you, new daddy. Can I say first? <laughs> That's how I picture it. Before I get to Brendan Rodgers, that Pep is reminding me more and more and more of Jose Mourinho, of his nemesis. What? This is Mourinho-like behaviour. The whole post-match, the whole deciding to change the narrative, to flip the narrative, to make it about the referees, <sighs> to try and lift the blame off his players for now. There will be other days when he will put the blame on his players. Talking about his next career move. They were perfect today. These I'm so proud of them. The, the histrionics on the sideline, the sense that the world is against him. It's just, this is such a different pep than we've seen before. And it reminds me so much of Mourinho. Anyway, what is Brendan Rodgers thinking? Brendan Rodgers is probably looking at that, you know, at that Liverpool team. And I don't know. I mean, Revenge. it's so fascinating that he Revenge. sits in second place right now because they, for me, I think we're going to learn a lot about City now. We're going to learn maybe a lot more about them than we will about Liverpool for a couple of months. I think with City now, they have to bounce back into second again. Um, they're going to have to, you know, at least get a point or win against Chelsea. Um, I think... But Leicester looks so threatening to me right now because of his need for revenge. And I think he's probably looking at Liverpool thinking, we can take them. Let's dance. Yeah. Let's dance. I will say one word about City. As things went to crap, we saw very little communication on that field. Zero. Very little conversation, very little leadership. A panic. We smelt a fear. We saw Pep increasingly agitated. But there was very little there that made me think these experienced players, and they are experienced players, there's something off kilter there. Yeah. There was no resolve to fix what was wrong and solve that problem. There were no players coming. You watched the two managers in the technical area. There were no players coming to the sideline to Pep and getting more instruction. There was, um, you know, he was definitely shouting or communicating to them seem to clap every single one of Claudio Bravo's misplaced balls into touch. I know, lads, let me make myself a meme and it will save you from yeah. criticism. Mourinho I will say like. one thing. Having Brendan Rodgers as an Everton fan being your only hope is a bit like having John Bolton as your only hope. It's confusing and I think it's going to make me feel a little bit dirty in the morning. All stats. Victory <laughs> gave Klopp's European champions <laughs> An eight-point lead at the top of the table, their biggest yeah. lead since the last day of the 1989-90 season, which they also won. Liverpool fans ended the game singing, champions, champions. There's so much longing here. 30 years without a title. We witnessed something magnificent for Liverpool fans today. A game that felt, I thought, almost a quasi-triumphal coronation. Yeah. Yeah, and Liverpool fans know this from last season. Titles are not won in November. We're just 12 games into this season. So much football to come, right? I've used the title to lose postscript so often um, with Arsenal as a joke that I've now got to use it seriously with Liverpool and it sounds wrong. <laughs> but it truly is Liverpool's title to lose. By definition, your fans singing that you're champions means that it's sort of your title to lose at this point. And they do look like presumptive champions. It's very difficult the way they're playing right now to imagine them losing but it is a long season we're only we're less than a third of the way um, through the season and there's a lot of football still to be played from 23rd of November to the 2nd of January Liverpool have to play 12 games 12 games in 37 days in four competitions including the Club World Cup 
Mm. With an FA Cup third round tie still be chucked in. However, this Liverpool side, David, they've lost only one of their last 50 league games. They'd have to lose at least three of their next 26 to let another team back in. That would be mm. two games against Everton, Ovs, and one more. So as we pod, there are fireworks going off across this city centre. Yeah, It's going to be a bonkers night here tonight. Okay, talking of bonkers, Leicester 2, Arsenal 0. The surging Foxes put on a clinic against an Arsenal team mired in crisis. After a scoreless first half, Leicester broke through on 68 minutes with a brilliant team goal from Jamie Vardy, his league-leading 11th of the season. <laughs> Mutton-chop fuzz enthusiast James Madison, Jay Maddy, added a second seven minutes later, slapping one past Burnt Leno. Leicester only go and leapfrog City into second place. Arsenal, meanwhile, having a worse PR month than Peter Luger. They haven't won in the league <laughs> since October the 6th. Oh, they'd love to. They'd sound Peter Luger in a heartbeat. Yeah, Snap your arm off Peter Luger. Maybe his manager. What? Centre-back? Oh, the A word. In the driving rain, Unai Emery faced Limpley up to an absolute must-win before an international break. He now has got to pray to survive. J-Dubs and I watched this game in a bar in yeah. Manchester. I forgot just how savage bars in Manchester can be. It was utterly seething as we watched this game. Watched Emery dial up the changes. He went back five against a mobile, confident, fearless foe who were willing to torture Arsenal in wide areas. Open game for the first half, but one terrible non-call on Soyuncu. It was pulled down in the area. VAR, we learned, doesn't apply to someone who is that handsome. It just says, Fwar! Doesn't say given yeah, or not fwar. given. It, was, it, it immediately became Fwar. Yeah, VAR has feelings too, David. Yeah. But even at 0-0, not for one minute. Well, let me ask you this. Even at 0-0, for one minute, did you really doubt, A, there would be goals in this game, and B, Leicester would score them. Well, Arsenal just so bizarrely, it's not that they didn't press the ball, they just seemed to cede complete and utter control of the entire pitch to their opponents. They were strolling around, and that goal, when it came, it started right from the back, an innocuous move, and Guendouzi just literally walking, walking around and failing to press. And I know it was so of... odd in that, because Guendouzi, I, I think he is almost like, I look like David Luiz, people will blame David Luiz yeah. if, I, if I don't try on this goal. And by the way, one of the Arsenal players who actually week in, week out for me, works harder than the rest of the team. This was just sort of odd. It's the they went to the in, deuce. Yeah, they don't like the rain maybe. They don't like it in the rain. It's a, they just let them completely play through them. And in the end, um, you know, a beautiful, beautiful team goal. No shock that at the end of that beautiful team goal was one James Vardy, the yeah. only reliable VAR in English football, a man who lives to feast and torture Arsenal. Nine league starts against him. He's now scored nine goals. Oh, no surprise he scored. Plenty of surprise that he managed to rein himself in, not mock Arsenal in general, or Unai Emery in particular with the goal, Sally. Yeah. J-Dub's like... When he plays at home, he's a bit pissed off. He doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have away fans to talk. Yeah. What astonishing stats on the season for your Premier League top scorer, James V. 25 attempts this season, 16 shots on goal, 11 goals. So ruthless, so clinical. Yeah. And when that goal went in, I thought, all right, we will see everything about Arsenal, about Emery's future, by how they respond to giving a goal down. Yeah, without a doubt. Vardy, world-class, the second that he stopped playing 
for the England national team. Now he's a world-class striker. Yeah, and what you learned about Arsenal is that they had nothing. They seemed content. Would you they know, fight? No. Would there be passion? No. Would there be leadership? Fight? No, no, no. Yeah, Tony Adams, you know, former great uh, Arsenal central defender, um, said in the post-match, he said, honestly, we looked like tonight we came here expecting to get thumped. During the match, we looked like we were happy to get thumped. And afterwards, who's surprised that we got beaten? Madison doubled the lead with a almost flamboyant strike. 2-0. Yeah. Could have been more. And after that, it was just damage control for Arsenal. That was what was shocking about mm. their mentality. Let's just keep it 2-0, lads. Don't humiliate us. We'll give you the three points deal. And I was just watching it, and I felt like, next Arsenal manager, please report for duty. There was just no plan. No guile. The substitutions dealt with nothing. And at the final whistle, we watched the embattled manager walk off, hood up, in the rain, straight down the tunnel. To me, this does feel like the end of his era. And if it is, it ended with a whimper and a slightly surreal press conference in which he was asked, do you think it's time to say goodbye to Arsenal fans? To which Emery, I've got to credit him for this answer. He said, why? Where are they going? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and his, uh, his step and repeat interview was odd. I mean, he seemed very satisfied with the performance, tactically, the effort. This is after, you know, in the post-match on Sky, Tony Adams and Jamie Ridnap had oh. eviscerated the team, showed video example after video example of the players strolling around the field and not pressing. He lauded the effort of his players, thought they were tremendous for the entire game. Just remember, though, Arsenal managers don't seem to go that quickly. There isn't a tradition of being of being uh, trigger happy. Arsenal Kremlin, well, that's because Kroenke needs to know he owns Arsenal. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good point. And then upon being told, he needs to actually do something as opposed to just say, "Well, maybe I should relocate them." Yeah, what I do. <laughs> yeah. They are eight points off top four. Sheffield United are above them. Two wins in the last ten games. Negative goal difference. Most serious Arsenal fans are now are either learning to embrace the warm bath that is their surreal self-destruction, with Xhaka now rumoured to be leaving in January, stripped of his captaincy, never going to play for Arsenal again, or hoping their team will lose so that Emery will be clipped, like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas, that's how I imagine it. The optics are brutal. Unai Emery's win percentage at Arsenal is worse than Andre Villas-Boas's at Spurs, and Louis van Gaal's at United. And I think his first 50 games have yielded less points than Wenger's last 50 games at Arsenal. Who would you have replaced him, David? You say that about Granite Xhaka, though, and it was just a few weeks ago that Meza Ozil was never going to play for Arsenal again, and he's literally become a fixture. He's the first name on the team sheet at this point, and actually makes more effort than most of his other. It's so odd. Um, who would I have managed Arsenal? I mean, I don't know. I just want narrative, so I want either Arsene Wenger or Jeremy Corbyn. I think that's sort of what would work JC for me. JC is awesome. Yeah. Bookies have got Mourinho, Luis Enrique, oh. legendary Everton player, Mikel Arteta mm-hmm. as possible replacement. If you're listening, Stan Kroenke, please make it Mourinho. Please make it Mourinho. Or Bob Bradley. <laughs> or Marco Silva. For Leicester, Brendan Rodgers, off link to Arsenal. We'll have loved that, David. We talked about what he would have felt watching Liverpool, but that Leicester... So mighty, so brisk, so smart, such a strong identity. Now won four in a row, best defensive record in the Premier League. I can't think of a more balanced team in the Premier League right now. No, they're superbly balanced and they've got a fantastic squad. They've got lots of uh, lots more young players coming in 
and challenging from the bench. Amazing team, looked top to bottom on that Arsenal team that played against them in the late game Saturday. And you're hard pressed to find a single Arsenal player that would make that Leicester team right now. You know, you might argue for Ben Leno over Casper Schmeichel, but it's really hard to think that Aubameyang doesn't get in ahead of Vardy right now. And Aubameyang is Arsenal's best player. Brodge would like to think he'd get in over Emery. Yeah. And that's about it. When you watch Leicester, no team plays with more joy and less pressure because they won that Premier League against all the odds. They're playing with house money still. Mm. They'll be playing with house money for decades. There's no pressure on them. It's going to make them stealth Premier League title chase candidates. And we both love Brendan Rodgers' quote Friday about the title race. He said... We have to find a way to drop a hand grenade in there. Let's tone it down, Brendan. Nobody's throwing grenades. Nobody's throwing grenades at anyone, Brendan. Let's just tone it all down. Someone's clearly been watching a bit too much World War II in colour, picturing himself clearing out Guadalcanal with a flamethrower, with Chowdhury and Ndidi backing him up with heavy machine gun fire. Yeah, they do have so much speed, though, Rog. That team, the speed, I think that's almost more, you know... There more more deadly than balance. Brendan's hand grenade. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, no. Assuming that Brendan's not allowed to use weapons from the Premier League sideline, I think that it's the speed of that team that I would be a little scared about if I'm Liverpool. Arguably club. better, many are saying, than the team that won the title. Only that the teams they're competing against are also better. GFOP at Chris Roney zero. I am a funeral director that supports Arsenal and the Miami Dolphins. Perfect. Dave, Dave, which of these things has most grief, pain and suffering? I mean, Arsenal, because the Dolphins will get top draft picks. Exactly. They're never going to get relegated. Arsenal aren't going to get relegated either, but it's fine. Um, We've got to rank them in reverse order. Burying the dead. Yeah. The best of the three. Yeah. Dolphins, because of that number one pick. Yeah. Probably insert paying taxes. Yeah. Prospect of your own death. Yeah. And then at the top, being proper Arsenal. Yeah, totally. I mean, funeral direction, by the way, very good business. <laughs> very, very good business. It's reliable. Stan Kroenke is listening. <laughs> I've got to relocate, relocate to Los Angeles. I'm going to relocate Chris Rooney's funeral direction company. Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace nil. Chelsea rip and run their way past Palace for their sixth league victory in a row. Tammy Abraham got the scoring started in the 52nd minute, polishing <sighs> off a delicious Willian flick for his 10th goal of the season. But then what happened? In the 79th minute, it was a player we, well, we've mentioned, I don't know, a couple of times on the pod this year. Christian uh, Pulisic? I don't know, nobody knows. Who doubled the lead with his last action of the match before coming off. All hell, Hershey Jesus, Rog. Chelsea moving to third. Uh, eight points behind Liverpool, level on goal difference with Leicester. In this one, the Mishi Batshuayi Memorial Derby. Frank Lampard, Dave, amazing. Fielded the youngest Chelsea 11 ever. Mm. Average age, 24 years, 88 days. Almost all of that was actually Willian, who's about 73. Yeah. You must have loved Rhys James. Yeah. 19, joyfully swarming Zaha. Yeah. Well, an amazing selection by the manager. Plays Rhys James for his debut at 19 years old against Zaha. Over. Over Dave, his captain. And actually in the post-match, Lampard explained that, you know, Asby is a guy that you can speak to. He's the club captain. He knows how important it is to have Rhys... Go and get flooded, get minutes. He's been training so well and, you know, was not spoken, but it seemed to be implicit that he felt that Rhys James would have a better chance of, of, of hemming in Wilfred, which he did, I think. Frank Lampard must have his veterans terrified. 
And Golikante, you play a half pace, I replace you with a 12 year old. Anyone? Yeah. Billy Gilmore, put Billy your Gilmore. chest wig on, you're going in. Yeah. In that first half, though, Palace were organised. Very organised. You did miss the suspended hero, Jorginho. Yeah. You missed him a lot. Yeah, Chelsea had a lot of possession. Chelsea you know, were doing well, but you know, a lot of teams now, and this is a respect to Chelsea, are going into Stamford Bridge and setting up quite defensively. Newcastle did it. Um, you know, very recently, and Chelsea did the same. And these are young players who have to learn how to break down, uh, break down defences. And I think Tammy Abraham struggled a bit in that first half. You know, it's very tough. He's expected, he's large, and this happens with large centre forwards. They're expected to do everything. They've got to hold up the ball. They've got to sort of, you know, make those runs. Um, they've got to, like, you know, win everything. They've got to press. And it's sometimes tough for Tammy to, like, do all of those things as a young player. He's still learning. Second half, though, all yeah, Chelsea. He learned. Your goal in the 58th minute. I think, to me, watching it, the definitive Frank Lampard era goal. Defence yeah. collapsing run on the perimeter of the box, here by Kovacic, yeah. who's clearly been watching Pulisic game tape. Yeah. Quick ball to William. Yeah. And oh my lord, fantastic moment of creative ingenuity that was to set up. Your beautiful Tammy, close range. It was lethal, it was collective, it was mm -hmm. fast-paced movement. Yeah, I mean, with apologies to Christian Pulisic, US fans, and Christian is playing superbly right now. And I know there was an article this week in Business Insider that said he's the, he's the best player in the Premier League right now. Which but we actually, thought was ridiculous. Well, he's yeah. the best player in the world, clearly. <laughs> well, I think Chelsea, most Chelsea fans would say that Why our best player this season has been Willian, has been our best player consistently through the whole but, season. By the way, we do look forward to Good Housekeeping magazine stats <laughs> on that Shea Blissick is the best penalty player of all time, yeah. which is coming out um, this week. Yeah. But Tammy, mate, amazing yeah. stat. Tammy Abraham has now equaled Marcus Rashford's personal best for most goals in a single Premier League season. That was his 10th goal of the season. Yeah, which and a great finish. Marcus's, but Marcus's was in 33 games. Tammy's mm. done it in just 12 games. Astonishing. Yeah, it was an amazing finish. It was the finish of a much uh, more seasoned, much older striker and a brilliant, you know, a brilliant move. Uh, Second goal, though, was the one the nation came to watch, the Hershey yeah. kiss. Yeah, it was a little fortunate. The ball, you know, careened up in the air from a, from a bat shot. Swiveling bat shot. on a substitute. Um, ball creamed up in the air, but you know, credit uh, Pulisic again, he just gets, he attacks the box, he plays for a manager who attacked the box, he gets into that position, he got into a place, beat everybody to the ball and heads it home. What was and fortunate about it though, because I watched it a lot last night, and last week we talked about his Pulisic's movement, we talked about his acceleration, this guy was all about anticipation, I mean you watch it, the ball ballooned up, who had anticipated it ballooning up first? Who took a chance? Who ran towards the ball before it even started to balloon up? That run is rewarded once every 50 times. This was no, that you're time. Right. I was saying it was fortunate before that. Before, Christian's run, brilliant. It was, just, it, was, it was the ballooning itself that was a little fortunate. But it was a um, but it was fantastic finish. Really important for any player to score a goal at home. You know, he's now got that struck off the list. Now he's got to score a goal against a top team. Whilst um, being managed by someone with three Gs in their name. Yeah, maybe. But he wheeled away. Yeah. And what feeling he must be experiencing. Scoring yeah. Dave for his third straight Premier Brilliant. League game on the run. Brilliant. J-Dub said to me, God, if he was on NBA Jam, he would be on fire. Boom shakalaka. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is remarkable to look at him. I looked at him in this game. 
before the goal, he was just shooting on sight. Every time he gets the ball, he feels it. Maybe a bit too much. He's a bit like Luke Skywalker. Don't get cocky, kid. But right now... Well, no, I think he's been told to do that. I think, honestly, that is manager instruction. I don't think he's doing that. I, I think he has literally been told by his manager, you have the freedom to shoot and make things happen every single time you, you get the ball. Yeah. Because the other players... Based on what Lampard... Like, like, I'm free, I'm in there. But he's just like... Based on what I'm Lampard is saying... But it's amazing when you actually watch the video of the press conferences. Based on what he's saying, he wants Christian to play that way. For branding purposes. I mean, I've got to say this out loud and, and just joyously. I would love, I would aspire, I would revere it if I could have half the confidence that Christian Pulisic has currently surging through his veins, even with his little hip injury, David. Yeah, he's got a hip injury. Apparently he was going to be taken off before the 80th minute. Thank God they did, didn't <laughs> Thank God they didn't get uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi changed quick enough and he was there to go and score the goal. The hip injury must have got from playing Dance Dance Revolution it with can have a, Olivier can Giroud. hell on your hip flexors. Oh, the thing that intrigued me about this game was how quickly and how hard Chelsea are leaning into the marketing of our Lord and Saviour, Christian Pulisic. Captain America. They are going with a Captain America Instagram post hard. Do you think they did like... A Post for Kovacic, like ever, Captain Croatia. Did that, did that happen and I missed it? It doesn't go down that well did with they the do, Serbian contingent of the fans. Did they like be like, hey, Tamori, you're Captain Canada. Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen this? They're not Canadian. Uh, keep on saying that. GFOP at Goldilax tweeted us to say, I'm old enough to remember when people are burying Pulisic's career like a month ago. <laughs> I will say, however, America is responding and then some. There is a Chelsea bandwagon that is forming and picking yeah. up steam, or shall I say, picking up fans of other yeah. teams, yeah. peeling off Spurs fans, Arsenal fans who are tired yeah. of life in decline. Yeah. You're feeling it, right? You're yeah, hearing it. Yeah, definitely. That. My mate James Fry has declared himself for Chelsea after years following Arsenal. Uh, very it's excited crazy. about uh, about Christian Pulisic. I mean, you're definitely feeling it. I'm actually going to go down to London tomorrow morning, going to head to Stamford Bridge. I'm um, going to go and look at the mega store. I'm sure it's going to be full of Americans going and buying product. So asking, hey, can I have a Christian Pulisic jersey and beer mug warmer? Um, it's going to be all that kind of... <laughs> they're going to be asking for product. The cozy. cozy. The cozy. I need a Chelsea uh, cozy. I need a Chelsea yeah. Pulisic cozy. Um, it'll be a cozy with a, with, with a Captain America <laughs> shield on it. Um, so, I need a Pulisic lazy boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they got in for the goals. Yeah, Pulisic, Chelsea, ride along lawnmower. All those American <laughs> things that you just don't see in Britain. Uh, they're going to sell a lot of products. So I'm looking forward to feeling that. You are feeling it. And you know, look, I think the interesting thing, I think there are some nice new landmarks we can look at. I think we need to see Christian score against a really good team. And I think that this team Canada. needs to continue to push on. Um, you know, I don't think they are... I think Leicester, even though they're level on points with Leicester, Leicester, I do think, become the presumptive title contenders with Brendan Rodgers' you know, spite motivation and with the incredible balance in that squad and the identity, the way they're playing football. They are actually fielding very young squads as well. But Chelsea, you know, you just feel that they are so happy with where they are. They're so happy to finish top four. Mate. They don't need... They don't have this great desire to go and challenge for the title. I'm not sure he wants that pressure on his players. I could be wrong, but I'm sure he's just like, you know, just enjoy this, enjoy this. Let's keep on working on the way we're playing football. Let's focus on the performances and cutting out the errors, conceding less goals. Um, but up and down that squad, more players are going to come back at some point. You know, their injury list is still pretty 
uh, is still pretty high. And I think Chelsea are going to continue to get better. Nice happiness, nice joy, nice pivot into Tottenham. Oh, Tottenham won, Sheffield United won. Spurs' worst start to the season in more than a decade continues. As Sheffield United, the Blades, rebound from Sun's 58th minute goal. He had to, to snatch a point. The equaliser came on 78 minutes from one of our favourite named Premier League players, George Bulldog. Rough seas still not abating for Spurs, but the Blades are up to fifth and have not lost an away game since gaining promotion. Wow. Magnificent. Magnificent. I mean, magnificent throughout this game because the Spurs, their shirts are on the field in theory, but not in person. Sheffield United, Sheffield United, outfought, outthought, they're supposedly superior hosts. They created chance after chance, didn't take them. Sonny conjured a goal this third in four days, his eighth of the season, pouncing on a Stephen sloppy back pass and his celebration was that of a release after the yeah. darkness of the Andre Gomez injury last weekend. But these blades, Davo, they don't stop. Just kept pressuring, kept overloading a lackluster Spurs. And within two minutes, they summoned an equaliser, which was varred off. It feels even more stinging after watching the Liverpool game. Three minutes, 47 seconds it took for VAR to decide that John Lundstrom's big toe, and this is not me being flippant, it really was a toenail, uh, which is the opposite to me of clear and obvious VAR gone wild, David. I mean, this is the one thing I've got a little bit of a, a problem with the coverage, is VAR is actually on offsides too accurate sometimes. It's a, you know, let's take out of the equation right now, the, the, the point at which the video is freezed on where the, the ball is released, I think they're going to straighten that out using ball tracking technology shortly. But it's a, this is accurate. It's just like in tennis, the ball is either in or it's out. It doesn't matter if it's a millimeter out, it's out. And so this is technically offside. This is the problem everybody's having with VAR is it's too accurate. What would have been an acceptable level of offside that people wouldn't have complained about? You know, the whole toe, like a toe and a little bit of its foot. Is it Two inches, three inches, four inches, five inches. What is the margin of acceptable offside that people want to have? Uh, whatever the story for me coming out of this is Sheffield United, the resiliency to summon an equaliser through that bulldog cross mm -hmm. to remain fifth, to remain amazingly unbeaten on the road and actually annoyed at the end of this because they thought they'd done more than enough to win the game oh, on a day... It's almost 11 months since we last saw a truly dominant Spurs. Poch's team again seem to be slumping towards a lost year of mediocrity. At JS3 tweeted to say, watching Spurs has become like watching Star Wars prequels. You know it's a disaster and no one's heart is really in it, but you can't turn away because of how much you've already invested in it. May the force be with all of us, Josh well, Who is Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> okay, Manchester United 3, Brighton 1. We weren't able to watch uh, anything uh, other than highlights of this one because we were at the Liverpool game, Roger. But Ole's men did the business at home against Brighton. An important win for United after last week's loss to Bournemouth. Newcastle 2, Bournemouth 1. Steve Bruce earns his second win on spin, thanks in part to a goal from... Divan Deandre Yedlin, whose sprawling header sent eagle screeches across the north. Huge respect to much maligned Steve Bruce, who has cajoled his team to back-to-back -back Premier League wins. Yep. This one impressive, come from behind against War Cherries, who'd kept three clean sheets. 
Yedling, we've got to say, he'd already cleared a Bournemouth goalman shot, which probably would have closed out yep. the win off the line. And then his goal with a flying Superman header of a finish, Dave. Stat, 63% of Newcastle's goals have been scored by defenders. This one, to us, by an American defender who was, it should be said, shockingly high up the field. I'm still not quite <laughs> sure what he was doing there. But at Binky Marsh 29 tweeted in, Yedlin scores! This year's American, American English Premier League Player of the Year. It's on fire. It is. We should also do American, American Premier League Goal of the Year, and this will make the Goal of the Year and maybe about 20 other Christian Pulisic ones. Paul Carr with the amazing stat. Yedlin Stats. and Pulisic are the first pair of US internationals to score Premier League goals on the same day since Clint Dempsey and Eric Lehigh, then of Aston Villa, on March 31st, 2012. That is known as the Greg Berhalter effect, David. Burnley 3, West Ham nil, a goal apiece oh. from the Lancashire Bash brothers, Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood. Chris Wood always up to no good. Plus, an Iron's own goal means Manuel Pellegrini's side are winless in their last six. I'm still, I'm still confused. I thought they were meant to be good this year, West Ham. Oh, West Ham have not won a match since Fabianski sustained an injury at Bournemouth mm. in September. His replacement, Roberto, a man who was like a shocking acquisition. If, if West Ham had had Roger Bennett, I think the fans <laughs> would have been like, what? At least I have some brand equity in America. It's been even more shocking on the field in real life. Watching him flap at the ball as it flies past him. A symbol of West Ham's haphazard recruitment policy. If I was West Ham, <laughs> I would just make a January move for Carl Walker and only play him in goal. That's what you've got to do because Fabianski's absence shows just... I mean, a goalkeeper's more than the same. We saw that today with Claudio Bravo. Yeah. A goalkeeper's security, it's confidence, it's stability, none of which West Ham have had just about since I praised them two months ago. Do you think there's a chance that this is not actually Roberto, but a Roberto impersonator? Oh. Getting large taxi rides just to Manchester saying, on the free. <laughs> just saying. Norwich nil, Watford two. Ten man Watford claim their first win of the season down in Woeful. Norwich on Friday night football, sending Norwich to the foot of the table. Oh, this game. Yeah, who thought Friday night football? Let's have Norwich play Watford. That'll really get That'll the fans bring around them in. the globe. It was like a trip to Filene's basement and it ended in bargain buys for Kike Sanchez Flores. A vital first win. Yeah. At last, after 12 games for the, the Hornets, their first three points in over seven months. A win, really when Flores most needed it. Rumours of his demise greatly exaggerated. He made his Watford hard to beat. And in this game, they actually could score bloody goals. For Norwich, a total darkness. They're just one point since beating Manchester City. They go bottom. And if Pookie can't score, might be time for him to just think about retirement and maybe open up a Pookie burger or Pookie yeah. donuts or something in Finland where Good he can just spend his whole time talking about those magnificent first Pookie five fried games. Chicken. Yeah. Do you remember those first five games of the season when I was the best in the world? They could have photographs of those goals yeah. all around Pookie donuts. Pookieville. Pookie, if you're listening, yeah. you should have got into politics when you had the chance. We're not bottom anymore, sang the Hornets fans. And I'll say, watching winless Watford win mm. a game yeah. should make Miami Dolphins fans believe they can win the bloody Super Bowl. They mm. won't, but it should at least make them believe it. Yeah, but Watford have got Jerry D. At Wolves 2, Aston Villa won the other game we were only able to watch highlights of because of our trip to Anfield today. And while 
We couldn't see it. We could certainly hear all the Daisley Midlands accents. Rog. Nuno's mob stay unbeaten in seven Premier League matches thanks to Ruben Neves and Raul Jimenez, the latter completing a CONCACAF hat-trick in the Premier League this weekend. Wolves up to eighth. Villa are in 17th, with three points clear of the drop. Southampton won. Everton Two Suck it, goals Saints. from man bum diehard Tom Davis. No <sighs> relation. And Rich Arlison. Well, it could be a relation. And Rich Arlison. Lift your mob over the barley. Lift your mob over the barely breathing Saints. Oh, I will say the joy of this weekend was that we were filming at the Salford Lads Club yeah. when Everton played. Yeah, I'm laughing with JW because in the script it says Barley Breathing Saints and I'm such an <laughs> adherent to everything that JW writes that if it says Barley, I'm going to say Barley. <laughs> <laughs> Jump, how high Jump, is that? Exactly. Barley, how high? <laughs> Jonathan must have something. Oh, I'll tell yeah. you, the joy of this weekend for me, an unsung joy, yeah. was that we were filming yeah. at the Salford Lads Club actually when Everton played, so it's the first time this season I've not watched them live. <gasps> There's the secret, Rog. And I've got to say, only watching Everton after the fact, when I knew the result, I would say has improved my quality of life by about yeah. 73%. Okay, good idea. My demeanour, my outlook, even my posture. You're making so many discoveries this weekend. I like I say, like Amazon drone deliveries and flying taxis, this may be the approach <laughs> to the future. To the game, though. Everton have won just one point in five away games this season. Mm -hmm. Four minutes in, we took the lead. My hero, Tom Davis, TD with the unmarked header, Uh felt signature too early. And a gnawing fear that grew. Even though I knew the result, David, watching it, I was like, you've scored too early. What do you Everton missed chance sometimes. Everton could lose in, in so many circumstances. Even when you know that they've won, they still might Man. lose when it replays. I, was, I knew the that score. That would be amazing. I knew the score. I was watching the game, knowing the score. Yeah. I was still screaming That'd at the television, movie, what actually. are you doing, man? What are you doing? And when Southampton equalised, to yeah. once a Liverpool player, always a Liverpool player, Danny Bloody Ings doing things, fifth of the season. It was almost a relief, a fulfilment of my worst fears. And the game became a test of two teams, just filled with self-loathing. Who could out-crap each other? And I was somewhat astonished, even though I knew the score, that the answer was not Everton. Yeah, they won it. Yeah, first away victory since March. Pressure off Marco Silva, which is not a good thing. Sadly, pressure on Ralph Rabbit Hutch. It's Southampton have won one point in six games at home this season. Mentally, the team have been shorn of collective belief, Southampton. Their next game is against Arsenal. Southampton-Arsenal, as close as we get to witnessing two Wes Anderson characters, both played by Jason Schwartzman, face off against each other. OK, we're going to do something a little different this week, Rod. Since there's an international break forthcoming, we're going to take our prophetic shot of Jaeger But instead of looking forward, we're going to reverse engineer its powers to allow us to look back and talk about a moment from this trip that we will never forget. I'm going to look back by looking forward. Okay, you've just reverse engineered it again. (laughs) Power of Jägermeister, hold on, I'm going in. The Jägermeister in Britain tastes a little different. Is it sort of like Coca-Cola in Britain, which is a little differently engineered? It tastes like Guinness in Ireland, a little closer to Germany. And the Jägermeister tells me that tomorrow, I knew this Jägermeister, you didn't have to tell me, I'm going to shoot on the famous ferry across the Mersey. Mm. 
Is this a good idea, David? Was this a bad idea? I'm going to shoot with my dad, Judge Ivan. Well, we do know that your dad triggers you a little bit. Yep, um, still thinks there's an empire. Keep it. Got to break the news to him. Keep it light and on the surface. Um, and have a good editor. Yeah, and about his love of Liverpool. Well, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to talk about, he's a man. I was trying to think, who loves Liverpool more than anybody I know? And I will say how my dad experiences the essence of this city. And to mm. be with him in this place, the ferry, where I spent so much of my youth, with the Liverpool skyline, its architectural wonder, the liver building, the rest of the three graces behind us, could be, and I say could, could be one of the most self-revelatory shoots of the year. And I can't wait, David, to have producer J-Dubs understand me better so that he can explain myself to myself. <laughs> and will be the and me. of the year. I, I can't wait, J-Dubs. <laughs> you know, text me, I'll be down in London in the bar at the firehouse. Um, okay, Rog, my Jägermeister, here we go. Last year, 12 months ago, you saw the streets of South London. Not sure for the first time, but it felt like the first time and how much the streets of South London reminded you of Liverpool. Today we were around Anfield and I said, these streets, they're exactly the same as the streets around Crystal Palace, around Selhurst Park. But coming, you know, to Liverpool, coming to uh, this city wouldn't really mean a lot to me. Um, despite my love of football, but it means a lot because this is your hometown, Roger. And finally, I'm here together. I didn't get to come over and see Val, which frankly I was looking forward to. Looking forward to seeing my Val. Oh, you know, how, fe- you know how I feel about your mother. Uh, we did see Premier League players wear poppies on their jerseys this weekend in honour of Remembrance Day, marking the anniversary of the end of the First World War. Monday is Veterans Day in America. And in lieu of the ball mark this week, we want to talk about one of our favourite charities, Hope for the Warriors, oh. which helps service members and their families in America. We'd encourage all of you to check out their website at www.hopeforthewarriors.org. It's one of the greatest non-profits that we do business with in America. It's remarkable to have the chance to talk about them, to interact with them, to support them. The new Umbro collaboration that we're about to release uh, in the middle of November, one of the many joys of the thing, other than the fact that I love it absolutely love it and i love the gfop design on it is it proceeds from that limited edition release will go to hope for the warriors to further their great work i just say to everyone at that organization courage okay rog you can follow us on twitter at men in blazers at embassy davis at rog bennett on instagram at men in blazers at embassy underscore davis on facebook men in blazers you can always send your ravens to the crap part of soho you can always email us at men in blazers at gmail.com and thanks to everyone at visit britain yeah. especially COP and CC. It's yeah. genuinely a joy to be here, to yeah. celebrate the North, to spend time with you in the North. David yeah. already is trying to think about where he'd like to go next. He's trying to find, what did you say to me today? Cornwall. Like, is there a Premier League team in a more rural <laughs> Like the Lake District or the Cotswolds? Oh, we do not take this opportunity for granted. We can't wait to release the whole slate uh, of films that we've shot in the coming weeks and months. Absolutely. Vendorpunk Rod. War Pig! Who wants to sex Matumbo? I like snacks. Bulls win, Bulls win. Take that, Gloria! Actually, not Pep, you lost. The tweed. Avocado rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Love you, David. Love you, Rog. Love you, Liverpool, the city. <laughs> Quite like you, Manchester. Yeah. And remember, everyone listening, no sloppy! <laughs>